This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. Missed y'all during the Thanksgiving break. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. We're joined today by my good friend, Jackson Cordray. Jackson, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great, Michael. I had a good time with the family. Good time watching football. How was yours, man? It was pretty good. You know, watch football, Cowboys win, always a great time. Went to a wrestling convention over the weekend. It was great. And welcoming back to the show is Sports Illustrated writer and from the On the Proud podcast, Mr. Ian Black. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, bro. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good. Again, my Cowboys won not only on Thanksgiving against the Giants, but they also won the Sunday before against the Vikings in a game I didn't expect. I don't think anyone expected. And that brings up a point because, you know, between those two weeks where we were off, we were celebrating Thanksgiving with our families, enjoying time, eating some good food. There's five teams who stood out who were unbeaten through those two weeks of action. There were the Dallas Cowboys beating the Vikings and the Giants. There were the Eagles beating the Colts. I don't think they should have won that game and also beat the Packers. You got the Cincinnati Bengals, who were starting to get a roll of the season, beating the Steelers and the Titans. We got the Chiefs beating the Chargers and the Rams. Somehow the Rams have not been good this year. It's been an anomaly in the NFL. And we have the very disrespected San Francisco 49ers obliterating the Colts or obliterating the Cardinals 38 to 10 and then beating the Saints in a shutout 13 to nothing. So I want to pose this. We'll pose it to Ian as his time back. Of these five teams, who stands out to you in terms of the most dangerous getting hot towards the end of the year? Um, The Bengals have been really fun and hot. Uh, I still would rank them last amongst this group of five, though. I think if I was betting on any of these teams to make a run to the Super Bowl at this point, uh, the 49ers have the top-end talent and the depth um, that I think in a more often-than-not scenario, they're the team I would uh, most want to avoid. Uh, The Eagles were that team until the Jordan Davis injury. Uh, Their defense heavily relies on strong nose tackle play, and they've looked a little little off uh, since he's been gone. So I think they've hit a bump in the road that we'll see how they recover from with some of those signings. And that's a good point with the Eagles. And I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm not trying to be a homer with this because the Eagles looked really good the first eight, nine weeks of the year. And then they lost to Washington. And then they followed it up with a game they should have lost to the Colts that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the radio show yet. They should have won- lost to – a team being coached by Jeff Saturday in his second game as a professional head coach. Like that that's uncalled for. And then San Francisco 49ers are jumping up leaps and bounds. They were in my number two in my top quarter rankings for, I believe the second week in a row. Jackson, I know you don't agree with that at all whatsoever. Why do you think the Eagles are better than the 49ers? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's it. Jimmy Garoppolo is not that great. I mean, disrespected. I've said, it, I've said it over and over again. I'm not even a big Jalen Hurts guy. At the end of the day, I think Jalen Hurts is probably a top 15 quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo could probably be benched and they'd be okay. Uh, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy at all. I think the Niners at two is not only fascinating, but kind of unbelievable considering the fact they're like, their talent's very high. Of course, Ian mentioned that the top end talent, the depth is great, but you got to think. What do they have at quarterback? We've seen him. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play like Jimmy Garoppolo his entire career. In big moments, he struggles. 
He's not Kirk Cousins in prime time. He doesn't appear like he's just not good. He's just not good in general. He can get you to the, you know, he can get you to 10 and seven with a solid roster around him. And then next thing you know, you're not, I mean, you, you lose a game in the playoffs and it's over. Like he's not going to take you to that next level, such as Dak Prescott can or Jalen Hurts may be able to. Jimmy Garoppolo is just not that guy, Michael. And I don't, I don't know how much how much you can defend him with his history being what it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jimmy Garoppolo started a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, but did he lose that Super Bowl? I think so. They they were leading too, and and I just – you know, Patrick Mahomes started to come back there at the end. I I mean, there are moments in in games where Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't show up and you can't have that be your franchise quarterback. I got a stat for you. Only one active player has more Super Bowl rings than Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, he was always with the Patriots for a long time. Come on, Come on To be Come fair, on. Ian has a point, and I just I have this theory, okay? Because who was the long term quarterback for the 49ers before Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay, it was Alex Smith. Okay, Alex Smith got hate for him for years because he wasn't looked at as an elite quarterback. In a franchise in the 90s that had Steve Young and Joe Montana, I feel like fans are expecting that from their quarterback, that glory days of an elite quarterback at that position. There was nothing wrong with Alex Smith the entire time he was there, but they wanted an elite guy. They thought it was going to be Colin Kaepernick. He was flashy. He was fun right when Cam Newton was hitting his stride. And now they have Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're trying to make Trey Lance this fun, hip guy. But at the end of the day, like, and I'd said this at the beginning of the year, I didn't think it was because of an injury that we'd see Jimmy Garoppolo starting. But Jimmy Garoppolo is your best chance to win football games. And ever since they acquired Christian McCaffrey, this this team is, they already have great defense. They rank in the top of the league in both offense and defense. When you look at the stats as a team, this this is a dangerous team, and everyone's disrespecting Jimmy Garoppolo, and they really shouldn't. Yeah, Michael, I just, I don't, I, I just, we just don't see eye to eye here. We just don't see eye to eye here. If I'm being honest with you, he's not the best quarterback even in the division. Geno Smith outranks the guy. Oh my god! Throughout, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I could argue Geno Smith might be the best quarterback in in the NFC, let alone the division. But when I mention Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance is everything that Jimmy Garoppolo wishes he was. He has the flash. He has the. He's just special when he walks onto the field. The second he comes back from injury, and even if there's a shot that he comes back from injury this year, which I doubt. Kyle Shanahan addressed that earlier this week. I think you should put him in there just to give him a shot, give him an opportunity because he can ex- like he can make a team so much more than just what they are due to his play style and the abilities he has and the talent he has with his arm. Jimmy Garoppolo is arguably one of the least talented, just arm talent guys in the league. I don't even think that's that's really debate. He makes poor decisions. His arm talent's not fantastic Trey Lance is better than this guy through and through I honestly think okay now Jackson you, you did did the Seahawks even win last week are we are can we go into that I mean I'm gonna be honest with you Michael I don't think they did but I don't blame it on Geno Smith I mean Geno Smith plays well each and every week each and every week Geno Smith comes to the game and he balls out if you put a defense around this guy you can't give up 40 points in the National Football League regardless. So I, I'm not blaming Geno here. I'm blaming the Seattle defense. The Seattle defense is awful. Josh Jacobs had a trillion yards on the guy. On Dude, the, I mean, Jacob. my God. Josh Jacobs didn't get his fifth-year extension from the Raiders, and he's balling out, and he had 300 yards almost against, against Seattle. So, I mean, is that hey. really Geno's fault? It's not Gino's fault. I will appreciate Josh Jacobs helping me win my fantasy football matchup this week. That was pretty fun. And Jackson, when we look at the top quarter rankings, 
on Instagram, you got a lot more love than I did uh, in terms of the votes. I think you had like 70, 71% of the votes. Don't know why. I think that happens every week too, Michael. I mean, when we come down to it, I think week after week, Jackson's looking at more fan support than Michael is. The fans are voting better. uh, The the fans are voting for me in each of these top quarter rankings for a valid reason. I remember a guy on Instagram commented, Michael, this Michael guy needs to watch more football. (laughs) Hey, I don't disagree. I I don't disagree. I I would love a job where I can watch more football. I'm not going to disagree with the guy, but. Somebody who does watch a lot of football is the On the Prowl podcast host, Ian Black, also a writer for Sports Illustrated. And Ian, I I wanted to pose this to you because, you know, I was listening to the Believe in Panthers podcast for Tobacco Road Sports Radio. We have Skylar Callahan. We have Desmond Johnson. We have former Panthers running back Jonathan Stewart. And they were talking about teams or fans being upset that the Panthers – are winning games. They won last week against Denver, which isn't a hard thing to do nowadays, let's be honest. And they're upset about the team not tanking and the draft position getting worse. And I wanted to pose this to you. I'm not a fan of teams tanking, and particularly in the Panthers, it's not a foregone conclusion that they won't win the division and make the playoffs by some miracle. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you have to get it straight. Steve Wilkes isn't waking up every morning saying, yeah, I, I can't wait to lose enough games to give this job to the next guy. And these players aren't waking up saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose so that a younger player can take my spot next year and get paid less. I mean, these guys are walking in the building want, wanting to win, uh, no matter what. I mean... As long as the locker room isn't lost, the players are going to be trying to win. And if anything else hasn't been clear from the season since Matt Rule got fired, it's that Steve Wilkes has this locker room. Uh, He has them going. He has them on a mission. They're not the most talented team. There's tons of deficiencies. But they're a team that wants to win and wants to play for him. And they've tripled the win total They under Steve Wilkes that they had under Matt Rule. I mean, these guys want to play. Now, when it comes to whether or not they should be tanking, Tanking is something based off of my recent studies. I was actually working an article on this recently. It's a lot more successful at the, in the NBA because of the concentration of high-end talent at the top. In the NFL, there's a reason we don't have a long track record of teams tanking to look at and why it's still more of a question in the NFL more than any other professional sports league. It's because the concentration of talent is so hard to actually understand. The draft is a crapshoot. These teams are hoping to hit on their early round picks, much less the crapshoot that is the day three picks in terms of just getting it right. Uh, tanking is really hard. Uh, I not few, not many teams do it successfully. There's been a lot of long playoff droughts despite all of the parity in the NFL, and there's a reason why many teams have not won a Super Bowl yet. Um, I think tanking is more of the a modern fad than something that is readily and easily accessible with a blueprint. Um, one example of a team that is doing it well right now or did do it well is the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins had the tank for Tua mindset. They gathered draft picks. They flipped a bunch for Laramie Tunsil. But the thing they did that you would never see in the modern NBA, which is where tanking is much more prevalent, is they just went and flipped those draft picks back at the right time for actual star players. They didn't hang around and wait and just load over a really long period of time. The shelves life, shelf lives on the NFL players aren't long enough to bank on a long-term rebuild, which is how tanking works in the first place. You need these players healthy, active, and why you got them. And you can't really bank too far beyond a year or two in the future. I mean, look at the Rams. The Rams are a bottom three team in the NFL right now, and they literally won the Super Bowl last year. And with the Dolphins, you gave a great example there. You know, there's been three players who have gotten to the Dolphins have made an impact. It was Tyreek Hill, it was Bradley Chubb, and I'll say Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, I can interchange with those two, and they all got traded because of the draft picks that they stored. And and when it comes to tanking, I, I hate the idea. I never want to root for my team to lose. You know, you have your players – 
Micah Parsons for the Cowboys. I didn't want the Cowboys draft Micah Parsons. I want I wanted them draft corners, and lo and behold, got perhaps the best defense player in that draft, maybe top three defensive player in the league. And Ian, you brought up a really good point. You know, they're they're still fighting for their jobs. Like they're fighting for their jobs, and there's two people who I am concerned about, do they have a job next year with the Carolina Panthers? And that's Steve Wilkes and that's Sam Darnold because Darnold actually won this past week. He looked better than he has in years past. What do you expect the quarterback and head coach situation to look like moving forward? Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Steve Wilkes is the coach next year. Uh, Especially, it's not like... David Tepper is hard up for cash or anything. But after having to bite a pretty big bullet on the Matt Rule uh, seven-year contract not working out, uh, he'll probably learn from that. He's a smart guy. Um, So I wouldn't put it past him to give Steve Wilkes a two- or a three-year deal. Um, I do think Steve Wilkes will probably have to go 500 under, at least under his games as head coach, which he is slightly under at the moment. But has a really winnable schedule in the back half. So I do think there's a world where Steve Wilkes is around next year. He's safe. Um, Whether or not he should be, not for me to decide on this podcast. (laughs) Um, And when it comes to Sam Darnold, um, Sam Darnold is a guy who will almost assuredly have competition next year uh, from a top pick. Um, Whether or not that is someone who he gets to start over probably comes down to how many games the Panthers win the rest of the season. They currently hold the fifth pick. If they win two or three more games, they're looking more along the lines of the ninth or the 10th pick, maybe even higher. Yeah. And so uh, it just, because if you're picking at five, CJ Stroud might still be there. Uh, Will Levis is almost assuredly still there. If you're picking at like 10, 11, you're looking more at Will Levis or trading back and looking for an Anthony Richardson type. And those are guys who you're almost assuredly going to want to have a Sam Darnold who hopefully plays well the rest of the year there to do something with. But there is so much sunken cost in the current Panthers roster when it comes to both money and draft picks. At some point, somebody's got to go. Uh, almost assuredly Baker, but we'll see. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, I did say Baker would not be the savior of the Carolina Panthers, and they have a bye week this week. Hopefully they can get things underway because they have a tough task. Panthers haven't won a road game all season, and then they go to Seattle, which Seattle is a traditionally a rough place to play. And before we get into break, I wanted to get y'all's opinion on what Carolina can do this bye week to prepare for a Seattle atmosphere. Jackson, since you're very familiar with the 12th man, what do you expect? Uh, a loss for Carolina. Oh, sorry. That's, I didn't mean to say that, but what I will say is you gotta, you gotta prepare for that atmosphere. You know, practice have to be jam packed. Music has to be blasting. You cannot prepare for that atmosphere in any practice in the world. So it'll be a hard time coming in. You got to practice silent silent snaps you got to do all you got to do everything to prepare for this game it's going to be loud the 12s are going to be crazy i'm not sure how the panthers pull this one out so it's going to be tough it's going to be tough ian is there anything that steve Wilkes can do to prepare this team for that seattle atmosphere during this bye week uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's been around long enough to tell these guys what it's like. Uh, he can tell them how to prepare. They, It's all about when you go into those types of environments, not just acknowledging that it's going to happen, but attacking it back head on. You don't want to just tell your players, it's going to be loud. The 12th man is loud. Uh, you want to say, it's going to be loud. This is what we're going to do about it. This is how we're going to look at it. This is what you're going to put in your mind. This is how we're going to prepare. We're going to play loud music at practice. We're going to do whatever it takes. You want to make your players comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, The Seahawks are a scrappy team, and they're going to look to make the Panthers uncomfortable, so they want to be ready to do that. And they'll have to if if both these teams want to make the playoffs. It's going to be a hostile environment in Houston. We got to get into a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson's return to the NFL in Houston against his former team next after the break.
Welcome back to Out Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWDG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We're joined back after the break with Jackson Cordray and Sports Illustrated writer Ian Black. And mentioned right before the break how the Panthers are going to have to adapt to the hostile environment that is Seattle and that 12th man. But it's going to be a hostile environment as Deshaun Watson returns from his suspension, first game back, first game with the Cleveland Browns, and guess who it's against? It's no surprise. It's against his former team, the Houston Texans, that traded him to Cleveland. And Jackson, I, I'm kind of worried how the Houston fans are going to engage with Deshaun Watson at this game. What do you expect from this uh, awful things to be said by fans. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the Houston fans will say anything and everything at the game. I went to the University of South Carolina versus Texas A&M game in South Carolina before South Carolina decided to win multiple games against top-ranked teams, Clemson and Tennessee. And during that game, awful, awful things were said about our offensive coordinator when we were up 31 to 24 awful 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 things so i expect everything 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 to be thrown at deshaun watson that's what i expect from houston fans hopefully there's some decency there but at the same time it's deshaun watson so i don't expect much decency to be said and in with deshaun watson i we just got done talking about tanking and how we don't like for our teams. But if I'm a Houston Texans fan, I am going after Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. It it would sting really bad if Deshaun Watson won his first game as a Brown against Houston. It it just wouldn't feel right. Do you expect Houston to put it all out there against Deshaun Watson this week? Yeah, they're going to do everything they can. Um, They are going to work very hard and do their best. They aren't the most talented team, but they're going to want it. Uh, they're going to fight for themselves, for those women that are be there watching the game, um, and for really, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> how would how would you even? Because Houston doesn't have much talent at all. How how do you prepare for a Cleveland Browns team who has Deshaun Watson's first game, but even that run game with Nick Chubb is just out of this world right now? Well, purely from a football perspective, he's rusty. There, there's no way around it. He hasn't been with the team. He hasn't practiced in as many games. I mean, the Texans are a much talented, less talented team on paper, but they're also a team that's been playing together for 12, 13 weeks at this point. Uh, they need to make the Browns offense have to get into second and third reads. They need to bring extra energy, uh, hit gaps differently, take big shots downfield. They need to play like they are an FCS app state team playing Michigan in uh, Mm. the two thousands. You know, they just need to do whatever they can because what do they have to lose? They are the worst team in the league. Now our radio audience can't see this right now, but Ian is wearing some app state merch and Ian, I love you. I love having you on the entire time, but Hey, anytime you're wearing some app gear, you are welcome on the show anytime. I've had to deal with, I've had to deal with South Carolina fans, <laughs> Jackson Cordray. Ryan wasn't bad a couple of weeks ago, but Jackson's been obnoxious recently after South Carolina's just two good weeks. Uh, not just two good weeks, two great weeks. Uh, Tennessee, number five ranked team in the country, and Clemson, number eight. I mean, we're on the up and up. Soon we'll be with uh, Ian Black's University of Georgia. We'll be up there with them one of these days. That's all yeah. I'm saying. If you're a playoff I was just team right say- now, you're a playoff team right now. You do not want South Carolina. And with the soon-to-be 12-team playoff picture starting next year, the year after, South Carolina is coming for those spots, and everybody should be scared about the University of South Carolina. That's all I'm saying, Michael. That's all I'm saying. South Carolina is definitely going to have a great shot to make the playoff when five SEC teams are making it every year. Oh, I mean, it, honestly, let's just have 12 SEC teams make it and they battle it out. That's better than any football. I mean, maybe Ohio State sneaks in, maybe Michigan. Let's <laughs> let's get this TCU crap out of here. We okay? need to lane. Them out. We want to lane. 
Hey, just for the record, if the 12-team playoff started this year, guess who would not be in it? South Carolina. I mean, I think the playoff committee would maybe put them in. I think they I think they think about putting them in. Honestly, but you, but you know who would be in? USC. Yeah, the fake ones. The fake ones. They're probably going to make the playoffs regardless. I mean, have you seen Caleb Williams? That guy's a freak. Dude, a he's, freak. he's been pretty good. Unfortunately, no USC quarterback usually pans out in the NFL. And going back Carson to the former slander. Wow, I was about to say Carson Palmer hey. and uh, Sam Darnold, guys. Sam Darnold's killing it with the Panthers oh, right now. Okay, I mean, okay, okay. That, that was out of pocket. He he did have one good week against Denver. He he might be better than Russell Wilson this year, but who knows? <laughs> I don't think that's that difficult. Okay, I don't think that's that hard to be better than Russell Wilson. <laughs> it, it's really not. Um, apparently. Half the team didn't even show up to his birthday party, but you know, I, I I can relate to that. Nobody showed up to my birthday party as well. I was younger, didn't have oh. them, but it, I I do have probably some parties planned in January, hopefully in February when the Cowboys are playing. And this is a very tight NFC East matchup right now. We got the Cowboys hosting the Colts on Sunday Night Football. You got the Eagles hosting a really good Tennessee Titans team. And that Philly cannot play Tennessee like they did in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. And then you have the 7-5 Commanders versus the 7-4 Giants. And didn't know that two, you know, just a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have expected that Washington might be a better team than the Giants. Like, this has been a crazy division. Uh, Jackson, I wanted to post to you first, what team – and the NFC East needs a win more this week. I'd say the Commanders. I'd say the Commanders going forward. I don't think the Giants – I mean, I've had the Giants low on my rankings all year. Daniel Jones just isn't that guy. I just think – I really think if the Commanders get this thing going, Ron Rivera's going to get this thing going. I think if they get this win, you get to 8-5. and five, You start looking at a serious playoff contender team. So especially in the NFC – I think a lot of teams are going to come in. I think there's a chance the seven the seventh seed is going to be nine and eight, or something amongst those lines. I think this Commanders team gets this win this week. You look at a solid team for the playoffs, and I'd lock them in honestly. I, Ian, I don't even know if Washington, if they were to make the playoffs, are they doing anything? Are they scaring any of the other NFL teams? Absolutely not. I mean, they're a fun team. They have some stuff to go off of. Um, they have a lot of talent, and they're finally figuring out how to use that talent. Earlier in the season, I don't think they were a bad team, but they looked like they had no idea how to use their players to their strengths. And they're kind of finally figuring that out. Uh, but they're still not a team that has enough over-the-top talent to upset anyone on a good day um, or anyone on their opponent's good day. I don't disagree with that, Ian, but I would also like to mention that Taylor Heineke just two years ago almost beat the Bucks in the wild card round. He did. So you he, get he's this, got that dog in him. He's got the dog in him that we're all thinking he about. He's he's what he's, he's what Michael thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's like a dog. You know, he's 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 not great. Let's be honest. Taylor Heineke's not a good quarterback, but he's one of those guys that like I would, you know, he's he's Andre Wadal. You know, I'm giving him the you know, the shot for the universe, guys. I mean, that is Tyler <laughs> Like, the dude is a baller, okay? He's great in the clutch moment. I don't want any other quarterback other than him. Brady, step aside. Give me Heineke. Jackson, the, some of the most out-of-pocket takes you've had on this show have clearly been the disrespect towards Jimmy Garoppolo. I hate it. Man, this this guy went to the same college as the great Tony Romo, and you're going to disrespect Jimmy G like that. And Jimmy, hey, J this is a tough matchup, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers hosting the Miami Dolphins. These are two teams I'm really high on. Ian, it sounds like you're really high on them as well. So I, I don't know. Like Whoever wins this game is going to have huge momentum going into the playoffs. I do want to say that this is a very exciting coaching matchup. Uh, specifically, not even just the head coaches, but former 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel against current 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who is easily one of the top head coaching, 
prospects for the next cycle is going to be a really fun match. Mike McDaniel is my favorite coach in the league right now, bar none. And seeing what he does against a team he knows so intimately is going to be really exciting. Um, I feel like it's going to be a really fun chess match, especially if some of the banged up players on each side can find their way on the field. I'll, I have Jalen Waddle on my fantasy team. I also have Mostert. If Joe Mixon is out with the concussion, we'll see about how that plays out for the Bengals. But, man, I don't know if I start any of these Dolphins players this week because of just how good that defense is. You mentioned D'Amico Ryan's potential head coach candidate. Is there a team that you're spotting that could be a good fit for him? Uh, honestly, if Steve Wilkes doesn't stay around, I think he's a great fit for the Panthers. Uh, I think he's going to end up going to a team that uh, is probably a bit more forward-thinking and exciting, which the Panthers have not shown to be, (laughs) Uh, if I had to guess. Uh, A lot of people at first glance think it's an offensive league. Offensive coordinators are where you want to go, but a lot of the top coaches in the league right now have a defensive background. And I think a lot of smart teams are starting to notice that trend. And uh, any teams that have the assets that could draw him in would be a really fun conversation. I think a really, really interesting fit would be the Cardinals when and if they give uh, Cliff Burry the axe. Uh, wow. I, think that would be, I think that'd be a fun, a fun option because they have some really talented defensive players that they are just using in the absolute worst ways at the moment. Dang. I, I haven't even sat down and thought about how Cliff Kingsbury could be axed towards the end of the season, but they ha- they have played down to their competition, honestly. Jackson, is it, while we're while we're on the topic, is there any coach you could see getting replaced by a guy like D'Amico Ryans? Uh Sean McVay. I've heard he's gonna retire. Um there have been rumors of him retiring at the end of the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Rams. I think the Rams have talent, um, some talent. I mean, they need to address the offensive line. Their picks with the Lions right now, they won't have a first-round pick. But I wouldn't be surprised if you if you find if he finds himself in LA with the Rams. I think that team needs some de- defensive help. I think offensively, I think Matthew Stafford's like not the move. But I think you find yourself there. I think you can start building like a solid a solid team going around. Ian, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't see Sean McVay retire. I've I've heard all the rumors. I've heard all the online chatter. I, I can't see Sean McVay retiring after this year. I don't think it would be a permanent retirement if he did. I think it'd be one of those go work on uh, be a talking head for a couple of years and then wait for a new and fresh opportunity when he's not so tired. I also did want to throw one more team out there for Tamika Ryan's. He would be the absolute perfect fit in Denver. Because Nathaniel Hackett is less than a year in, but it's clear his chops are not there. Uh, that team's so talented defensively, he he could do some very scary things with them. Agreed. And, and, and as long as D'Amico wasn't, you know, stalling that Broncos offense, like if he had an offensive coordinator, a genius, he's like, hey, just figure that all out for me while I focus on this defense and improving it to what is already a good defense. I I feel like that would be a I feel like that would be a good move, Jackson. I know you're Seattle Seahawks right now. We talked about Washington Commanders. It's kind of switching up with the Commanders and Seahawks fighting for that final seventh seed. The Seahawks have the Rams in LA this week. Maybe final matchup against Sean McVay by chance. How do you see that going? Even with Aaron Donald out. Uh, this is a bit of a revenge game. I think you got to get back. I mean, we've struggled against the Rams with Russell Wilson for years. They play that 5-1. Um, Russell Wilson struggles against that because he can't read over the middle of the field. Uh, Geno Smith doesn't struggle with that. I think they're going to hammer the Rams out this week. I think that game's going to be fun. It's going to be an entertaining game. I think Geno Smith's going to go off for like a couple of touchdowns. But I think this offense is really going to get things going, and I think this defensive front needs to figure something out. Uh, they play better gapped out than they uh, they play inside. I mean – I really think this defense needs to figure figure the fronts out. You know, if they're gapped out, they're playing well against the run. So going forward, I think if this defense can start building a little bit more momentum, you know, they have momentum going into the Tampa Bay game and then they lost against Tampa. 
Uh, you give me the defense before that Tampa game, I think you're looking at a defense that can actually like play and maintain. You know, you can keep a team under 24 points. If you keep a team under 24 points and you give Geno Smith the ball, Geno Smith's going to put up more than 24. So I think if you do that, I think Seattle can win, and I think they can win. I mean, they don't have the easiest stretch going out. You know, they got to play Kansas City still, but you're looking at a team that can maybe go 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, and then be a shocker in the playoffs, especially if they catch you know, the Niners in that Jimmy – Garoppolo trash. Oh, okay. Maybe a tad bit out of pocket. It'd be interesting to see who they would match up with at whoever is the number two seed in the NFC. But Ian, I, I feel like we've, we've talked about some exciting matchups. Dolphins 49ers is up there, but not a lot of people are talking about the nine, two chiefs against the seven and four Bengals. Bengals have had a couple good wins go their way. They're starting to get healthy. Jamar Chase might be back this week. If Joe Mixon's there, that's big for them. Do you see the Bengals who have the Chiefs on the road? No, it is in Cincinnati. Do you give the Bengals a shot to upset pretty much the unanimous number one team in the league right now? Yeah, no, I'd say so. I mean, anything can happen at any point. The regular season, uh, especially this time of year, uh, there there's a good chance for an upset. The Bengals are hot. This is feels like one of those matchups where we're going to get some absurdly high score, like 42-35, and all look back on it when they face each other in the playoffs. Like, remember last time they played? You know, it, this feels like chapter one of that happening. Um, I, I think either team could take it. The Chiefs are clearly the more complete team, but the Bengals are sneaky, are a lot more complete than they were last year. Uh, they are... It remains to be seen whether or not they pick up that same momentum they had or if they're peaking too early or what, but they are a more complete team than they were last year. That's why I was confused and honestly concerned about the slow start they had to this season because it was like four or five, six weeks in. I'm coming on the show, and I'm like, I don't know what's up with Cincinnati. Why are they underperforming? I thought they were going to like put the pieces together. I thought they were going to have a better record than they were, but it's you and I both know this. Jackson, you know this. It's about getting hot at the right time time and Cincinnati might be doing it also San Francisco might be doing it as well I'm just saying Jackson come on hey whoever wins that Dolphins 49ers matchup are you going to put them pretty high in your rankings next week they'll be number two I'll put that out there if if San Fran wins I'll put them at two they're number seven in my rankings right now or number six six I, yeah I have I have Miami at number two I mean at number three I think I think if San Fran wins, I might put them at three or number two. It just depends on how this Eagles game goes. It just depends. It just depends. And and they have a real sh- Titans have a real shot to beat Philadelphia. But we got to get into a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some basketball. We're going to talk some hoops. We're going to ask Ian about the Hornets if the season's salvageable at this point. Uh, Lamelo being injured, but also we're going to talk about the Golden State and why they're not so much the Road Warriors that a legendary WWF tag team were when we come back with Al Pocket with Michael Davis right after the break. WWBG 1470 AM. We have my good friend Jackson Cordray. We have my other good friend who I actually met through his brother, ironically enough, Mr. Ian Black. And we, we've been having a great show so far talking football. A lot of great matchups this weekend. I am excited. I, I love I love talking sports, but I'm ready for Sunday to where I can just sit down and watch an entire day of football. But we got to talk about some hoops action because the home team Charlotte Hornets right now are 6 and 15. They're only about 4 games back from being in the playoffs. They've only won 3 of their last 10 games and with all the injuries particularly to LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is a special player and I think transcendent and we saw that last year. He re-injured his ankle against the Pacers a couple weeks ago 
Ian, I have to pose this question to you. You like to follow this team. Is their season salvageable? If they get LaMelo healthy, does this team have a chance to sneak into the playoffs and maybe win a play-in game or even a playoff series? Uh, before the playoff games existed, or the play-in games, I'm sorry, uh, this season would already be written off. The play-in games gives them a little bit more room to wiggle. Uh, they're still, they still have a steep, steep climb to get that far. Uh, I think in terms of is the season salvageable, that question could be better answered by saying, could they salvage the season by building momentum for next year? Uh, this is still a young team. Uh, these guys are still going to be together next year. This was a team that was hoping to make the playoffs, not win a playoff series this coming season, uh, given how poorly the offseason went. Uh, I think building some really strong momentum for next year is what salvages this season and not necessarily a play in appearance. And when it comes to momentum, do you want that momentum in terms of the guys playing hard, winning games, or we talked earlier in the show about tanking with the Panthers. Is this something that the Hornets look at in terms of looking at the very, I I believe those top five, top seven draft picks in the NBA this year is going to be really, really special. We got Victor Wimbenyama, by the way, how great is that name, right? We finally got it. Victor Wimbenyama at the top. I don't know if the Hornets are that bad to get Wimbenyama, but is that something you'd want to see as a Hornets fan for them to take? Uh, I think this is a team where they could play really hard and build some really good things for the future and still lose enough games to be in the Wimbenyama sweepstakes, uh, especially with all the injuries they've had. I mean, once this team gets healthy, they're going to win more games than they are currently. That's that's a given. Lamelo Ball instantly doubles the win total through the current games they would have played if he was there, and not to mention Martin, Rozier missing games, all of them, Hayward. But this is a team that if they keep staying injured, they're milking, not milking, whatever these injuries, seeing what's going on, uh, once Mark Williams starts seeing the court more, Bryce McGowan's is seeing the courts. These other guys that are looking really good and fun in theory and uh, playing for the Greensboro Swarm, you could get them that on-court experience, let them make mistakes, let them learn, let them gather some uh, cooperation with LaMelo and find that rhythm and still only win 23 games, which is more than enough to be in that Webb and Yama or Scoot uh, Henderson type of area, you know? And you mentioned Mark Williams. I would love for Williams to play for the Hornets and get some minutes in him. But the Hornets did make a trade on draft night, trading away the, I believe he played for Memphis, the center, Jalen Duran. This is a thing where it's like you need big man help. You trade him away. Do you think the Hornets are regretting that decision right now? Uh, I think they think too highly of their own decision-making to regret it at this point. But the trade itself just didn't make any sense. Uh, (laughs) Mathematically, they traded this year's pick for a mid-20s pick next year. Uh, I see where they were going with it. The logic was just so faulty that they are running with it. And that's great. More power to them. I think they like Mark Williams. He's a great kid. He works hard. Uh, He brings a lot to the table as an entire package, yep, that you want as uh, a general manager for a team that plays in a small market and has to take a lot of wins where you can get them. Uh, Mark Williams is a good player who has a bright future ahead of him. The Hornets are a team that really like to use their G League affiliates, and they don't even switch back whether or not they're playing in the G League based on performance. They pre-schedule out at the beginning of the season when they're going to be there. So we're going to see him back and forth the whole season, no matter how he's doing, because that's just how the young guys work. Uh, But long-winded way of saying, I don't think they regret it yet. Uh, If Duran reaches that really high ceiling that he had, maybe they will. But I think there's a lot bigger things on the Hornets' minds that they regret at the moment. It would be great to see Mark Williams perform well. It wouldn't be the first Duke player to perform well in the NBA more than we can say for Jackson's, you know, team, South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, mean, Gigi Jackson. I mean, once Gigi Jackson gets to the league, I mean, we're talking about one of the best players in the the NBA guys. Once Gigi Jackson gets there. I mean, come on guys. Come on. 
We're a, we're a football game. school too, guys. We're a football school. We're not oh even a basketball God. school. As a we're Georgia fan, before school. Anthony Edwards made the league, the best player in UGA history was Nick Claxton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at look at us, Ian. Look at us, Ian. We're football schools. We're not we're not basketball. Schools. Hey. I'm just saying, okay. How many Duke players are in the NFL, Michael? How many okay. Duke players are in the NFL? You have, you have, you will have three that come to mind immediately: Jamison Crowder, okay, good, good slot NFL receiver, player, yeah, slot okay. receiver, yeah. You got. I don't like claiming this guy, Daniel Jones. He's a giant. <laughs> I don't like claiming yeah. him, but yeah, you also have Lakin Tomlinson, who is an offensive lineman starting for the San Francisco 49ers, the current second-best team in the NFL, according to my top-quarter rankings. So take that, Jackson. Yeah, Michael, I'm going to be honest with you. What I just heard was a bunch of nothing, dude. A bunch of nothing. So wow. you're just you know, we jealous. start naming USC players, you know, University of South Carolina players, and Georgia players. It gets I'm a sure, little different than Duke players. Guys. I'm sure if we named a lot of USC Trojan guys, we could we could start getting All somewhere. right, Mike, let's move on to the next topic. But <laughs> I'll 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 take I'll take the ship where I want to. But <laughs> we we do have to talk about somebody who graduated Davidson, you know Steph Curry, defying all odds, and now he's got an uphill battle for him. And I'm kind of confused. Golden State Warriors uh, are not road warriors by any stretch of the imagination. They are two and ten on the road. Now I would I would expect this from. You know, a team like Brooklyn, a team like I would expect this from literally any other team in the NBA. I, I had to get the Nets jab in there. But how does a veteran team who have won championships together, w- defending NBA champions right now, how are they so bad when they don't play at home? Jackson, I can't wrap my head around this. Nor can I, Michael. Here's the thing I've always said you let good teams figure it out down the road. Right. You start talking about after the all-star break, you know, and they still they're still losing games on the road. Then you start to worry. But I'm not going to worry about a team that was just previously the reigning champions. I'm not going to worry about that team until after the all-star break if they can't win games on the road. Same for the Lakers. The Lakers are starting to play better. They're starting to win games. You know, we mentioned just a little bit ago, you know, at the beginning of the season, this team had nobody. This team couldn't figure it out. They were just losing games on end. They're going to figure it out. Figure it out down the road. That's how these teams do it. Curry is one of the. I mean, Curry is arguably the best player in the NBA right now, efficiently standing. Like he's having one of the best seasons, arguably his best season of his career. I mean, dude is a stud. I mean, it, top ten player all time. I've officially said it. But here's the thing: they're going to figure it out way down the road. I'm not going to be concerned about it. That's what this Golden State team is going to do. They're going to be dangerous come playoff time. That's just what they do. Jackson, I don't think we have time to dive into the top 10 NBA players. Curry, I don't know if Curry's on there. I mean, Curry's right there. I think he's probably at – he's probably at what? He's between 9 and 10 for me. He's between 9 and 10. I have him on Just yeah, below yeah. Larry Bird. Yeah, I mean, he's right there, guys. I mean, there's no debate there, really. I don't. I mean, he's four-time champ, two-time MVP, one-time unanimous MVP, finals MVP. Greatest shooter to ever live on the planet. I mean, that alone changed the game of basketball, where it was the the post back down, Kobe half spin fade. I mean, you're looking at stuff like that, changed it to a three point era. That alone puts him in the conversation of top ten. He's not above guys like I mean, he is he above Shaq? I mean, he's right there. He's above Shaq, I think. All time, maybe he's above Shaq. And Shaq's I think probably ten. I think just work ethic alone, I'd still have Curry above Shaq. I mean, mm, work ethic, worth it. What? Yeah, Shaq work ethic. What are we talking about? Dude. Shaq work ethic, dude. If Shaq had, have you ever been... heard the stories Kobe Bryant has told? Dude, like, dude wouldn't Sha- go to go. Dude wouldn't go to practice. I mean, yeah. I don't. No, I'm but... saying, I'm saying Curry has more of a work ethic oh, than okay. Shaq. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not. I was. Yeah. I was about to say. I'm like, you're defending. I did Shaq. see a story from a trainer. Uh, on Twitter earlier, which no, I feel like normally we think of Steph Curry as really talented, but maybe not on the athletic level of some of these other players. But there was a trainer who said an undisclosed other young player came in to work out with Steph Curry. And after five minutes, the player laid down on the ground, walked outside, threw up and left. 
after working out with Steph Curry for five minutes because he works out at such a high and efficient level to give himself that stamina he needs to chuck up 40 shots a game uh, at an efficient level, you know? Yeah, if you watch Uh, Steph Curry play, yeah, if you watch him play, he doesn't stop moving. That's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Watching him and Clay Thompson play basketball together, neither one of them stop moving. Yeah, but watching Clay Thompson this year isn't nearly. Yeah, it's not. It's not as great. But you watched <laughs> two years ago. You know, before before ACL back in the day, just a couple years ago, Splash Brothers. You watch those guys move on the court. Steph Curry never stops running at full speed. Same as JJ Redick. Those guys are like insane stamina. Just like never stop. Always good to go. Arms are always in shape for shots. I mean, it it's insane watching those guys play. Like if you break it down, dude, those guys are on another level of endurance yeah and and are you hitting this panic button on the warriors because my thing is i trust the warriors but if you get to the playoffs and you're not having home court advantage that's a bad thing in terms of the what we've seen from the warriors so far this year yeah yeah i mean i think in recent years we've seen a lot of example of teams being like yeah they'll be all right they'll turn it on in the playoffs but those teams like the Nets or the Lakers of the last couple of years don't, you know, uh, that more often than not, very few of those teams really do turn it on without major injury to point to. Uh, the Warriors are a team. They can accomplish whatever they put their minds to. I don't think their minds were appropriately on the first 20 something games of the season. The Jordan Poole, Draymond Green fiasco, the championship hangover, the another year older thing that's the, those core players that they're keeping together are going through. I think they have a lot of things to work through. Uh, This is a team that'll need to be honest with themselves to find themselves in a good place at the 60 game mark, as opposed to the 20 game mark, Uh, whether or not they will be honest with themselves remains to be seen, but they'll be a good team regardless as we all know. Yeah. And only time will tell, see if they can improve their work on the road. Guys, we got to get out of here. We're continuing our TGI Friday lineup on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and WWBG 1470 AM. Guys, it has been awesome. Love having both of you on. We got we got to do this more often. And for all of you listening out in the triad area, thank you so much. Follow our Instagram. Follow Ian Black as he continues to write stuff for Sports Illustrated. Really good ta- content out there. You can follow Al Pocket, Al Pocket underscore TRSR on Instagram. And guys, we're going to see you next week and we'll recap an amazing weekend of football. Everyone have a great weekend.